0: Love is difficult. We began and continue this Lenten series this season in the church with the theme of love. We began on Ash Wednesday. And if you remember, it was also Valentine's Day. It's the reason I chose this focus for the Lenten season. I had someone who grew up in a in a different tradition than, than the United Methodist Church, and in particular, uh, the progressive sense of Christianity. Uh, after the Ash Wednesday service, uh, it was a couple of days later, Trudy and I were eating dinner with her, and, and she said, you know, that was the most positive Ash Wednesday service I have ever been to. She was used to uh, hearing more of an emphasis on how, how fallen and how broken and how bad we are and how much we need to repent, which there's, there's good in some of that as well. But I believe it can be overplayed some. According to our tradition and in the texts of who we are as followers of Jesus, God is love. Period. Of course, we theologians have to unpack that a lot. It can be overdone, too. It follows with not only the Hebrew Scriptures, but in the story of the life and ministry of Jesus that states the greatest commandment is love. Of all that's in the Scriptures, both the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament, of all that's there, love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Everything, Jesus says, everything the epistle writers say, everything in our faith tradition hangs on that. When it comes to faith and following the way of Jesus everything. Lent, Lent is a traditional time of reflection, of acknowledging where we have fallen short and turning around, so to speak, back toward God. As we can never escape that presence, but moving our life faith back onto the path that leads to life and love. And so the focus of this Lenten season on, on love and what that means, what does it look like? Like? Is it conditional? Are there conditions to our love or is it limitless and free? What does God love look like? Sound like? When I say God loves you, what comes to mind? Anybody? Anything in particular? What do you think about? Music? Music? Forgiveness? Hope, acceptance, grace. A crucial aspect of our journey in faith and practice is about loving others, the other. We are told by Jesus in the scriptures that he, that even includes our enemies. Regardless of who they are, we are called to love them. And if it sounds easy to you, it's not. (laughs) The passage that says, if you say you love God and hate a brother or sister, you're a liar. That's what what the Epistle John says. And every time I read that, I go, ouch. Ouch. For how can you love God whom you have not seen if you don't love your brother or sister whom you have? Love the other, your neighbor, period. When it comes to loving the other, what comes to mind for you? Anything different than what we talked about with, loving, with God loves you? Kindness? Love one another. Acceptance. Comfort. Generosity. Humility. Understanding. Mm-hmm. Love God and the love from God are both unconditional. We love God by being mindful of God's presence. We talked a little bit about the lead into our our meditation, our prayer time today. A God we understand in the sense of Paul's writings and other places as God in whom we live and move and have our being. We are we are immersed and filled with the very presence of God. It's like the like the breath we breathe we love God be mindful of that presence with everyone there is no one who is not also immersed in that same presence of spirit so when we love the other we also love one another and God And then there's the flip side, which I think sometimes can be as challenging as the other. In terms of having a willingness to be loved by others. What are my expectations? How do I receive that love? What does it look like? was an interesting experience that, and somebody and I really hadn't thought about it somebody pointed it out to me when I was in the hospital that that what a what a incredible gift to be able to experience so much connection and love and grace from so many people it's it's really too bad that one has to go through something like that in order to hear all that compounded all at once. Um, But it's good reason to make note of that and to start practicing telling people how much one loves another more regularly. And perhaps for some, the difficult task of loving ourselves in a healthy way. For if we can't love ourselves, then how can we love another? How can we love God? A God in whom we live and move and have our being. How do we accept loving ourselves? I, you know, I, I have a really hard time when, when somebody says, oh, you, you really did a good job with that. And, and I don't know about you, but I generally try to deflect it as opposed to just saying, thank you. Amen? So when you think of loving yourself, what comes to mind for you? Anybody? How do you love yourself? It's okay to say out loud. Humility. Acceptance, some of the same words. Forgiveness. Compassion. Listening to the choir. And music. A more tangible way for me, I go fishing. (laughs) It's It's a spiritual experience for me having your hair done? Chocolate. Amen. Nice cup of hot tea in the afternoon. We need, I was just having that conversation right before service with, with a member of the choir, that we need to take care of ourselves. We need to love ourselves. Not in a not in a self-absorbed, arrogant way, but, but caring for ourselves. It's important. The passage we read from John today is a familiar passage for many of us. I think it's important to remember the Gospel of John was written as much as 100 years after the death of Jesus. John's Gospel of the four Gospels we have in the Bible is Probably the most poetic, the, the most otherworldly, if you will. Sometimes it's a little more lofty and surreal than I would prefer. John can get pretty wordy. which So can preachers, so I, maybe that's saying something. It's important to remember because the author of John like the other Gospels, is not a, an eyewitness to the life and ministry of Jesus, but rather telling the story as it has been passed down and, has, and how the author has interpreted it for the community the author is speaking to. The passage John 3.16 is a favorite of memorizations. Uh, I don't see it so much anymore, but back uh, in the... 70s and 80s, you you see it at the football games, you know, somebody would write it on a big sign and hold it up. It's quoted a lot, again and again, to point to the love of God for the world by sending Jesus as the way. For many, when this passage, at least in my experience, for many when this passage is cited, it's often about those who believe and those who do not. It's often used as, as a way to separate us. For many, it is, even though the passage says it's not, for many it becomes a tool of condemnation. If you believe, you'll get to heaven. If you don't believe, you're condemned. Now, for me, I, I don't think this particular passage is, is about going to heaven or not going to heaven. I believe it's about living into the kingdom here and now. But there is some truth to that idea of condemnation, I think, that not that God condemns those who don't believe, or I would say not that God condemns those who choose not to follow the way of justice, kindness, compassion, humility, and love. There is something to be said about the life of those who choose to live a selfish, disconnected, greedy, arrogant, self-absorbed life, that there is some sort of Consequence, some sort of condemnation that they live under. A self-generated consequence of a life that's consumed by evil and disregard for the least of these. But it is not about God not loving them. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him, period. And according to the text, who does God love? Jesus. Jesus. Who else does God love? The world. Us. Us. Period. And according to our faith tradition, where do we as followers of the way see the best picture, so to speak, of God? Of how God loves in the life and ministry of Jesus. Who loved with great passion. A love that was difficult. A love that included anger. We'll deal with that next week. A love that included grief. A love that included embrace. A love that included compassion. A love that included justice making. A love that was unconditional. Sometimes I get pushback when I talk about a God who loves us unconditionally. Does that bother anybody in here? What do you think of when you think about God loving us unconditionally? I remember, uh, I think I've cited this maybe one other time a long time ago that, that I remember having a conversation with my dad one time and and it was actually after he was retired but uh, he was working on a sermon uh, somebody must have asked him to come preach and he said i'm working on a sermon Ken, about how we don't get what we deserve from god i said so dad what do you think we deserve from god he said well you know so no uh, what no, i don't know what you think we deserve from god. what do you think well well, you know, I said, no, Dad, I'm asking you. To... We, we, we just don't get what we deserve from God. And I said, well, what do you think we deserve? And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, let me ask you this. I knew where he was going. And I said, well, let me ask you this question. I said, do you think I deserve to be loved by you? Well, Yeah. I said, do you think my boys deserve to be loved by me? Well, yeah. I said, do you think I deserve to always be liked by you? No, there were days I really didn't like you very much. <laughs> I said, well, there are days I really don't like my boys very much. I said, but they know and I know I will always love them, period regardless of what they do or who they are. For me, that's unconditional love. There are consequences to our choices. There are consequences we bring on ourselves. But God's love is unconditional. And I believe there is nothing, nothing I can do to stop God from loving me or you. God loves you, period. I love you, period, without condition. And there is nothing you can do about it. And that is so i